You're listening to the Marathon Church Podcast. We exist to build communities that love Jesus, love people, and live on purpose. To learn more about Marathon Church, visit MarathonChurch.org. We hope that this encourages you and builds your faith. Enjoy this week's message. Hey, good morning, Marathon. How are you guys doing today? Great. It's great to see you guys. Can we give it up for the people in the atrium one more time? And everybody watching online, we appreciate y'all joining us today. And I just want to tell you one more thing about what's happening next week. In addition to kids' ministry starting back up, uh, Life Track will be meeting in person again right here in Classroom 1. Uh, and I'm pleased to host that with you guys. Um, if you want to know more about Marathon, if you would like to discover God's purpose for your life, that's where we do it in Life Track. It's a three-week course. And uh, you can join me at 11 o'clock next Sunday in Classroom 1. So we're going to finish up this series today called Over It, and uh, it, this series has kind of been heavy duty um, because there's so many things that we're over. Uh, one of the things that we recognized early on in the series is that we are either in a crisis, coming out of a crisis, or heading toward a crisis. That's just how life works. And when we're over it, we have to figure out how to get through it. And, and we know this, God is drawn to desperation. When we're over it, God is all over it. And God may not take you over it, but he will certainly lead you through it. We also discovered in the series that our identity is in Christ, and we are his project now, our series has its foundation in Paul's letter to the church at Philippi, and Paul begins his letter this way. He says, and I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, even when I don't see it, he's working, even when I don't feel it, he's working. He began the good work within you and will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. And could we just make that today? Could, could today, I mean, with everything in 2020, could today just be the day that Jesus comes back? Would anybody be okay with that? I'd be okay with that. Can we make that today? Yeah. L listen, guys, we're a work in progress. And in this series, we've talked about worry and anxiety and comparison and forgiveness and overcoming our past and this week, I have the honor of talking about complaining. How do you conquer complaining? How do you get over grumbling? Now, I must admit that I'm an expert in this area, and maybe that's why they gave it to me. I'm cynical, I'm sarcastic, and I've been known to complain, if you can believe it. I was given this topic several weeks ago, and, and God just started hammering me because I, I became acutely aware of my complaining. And in the process of preparing for this message, my wife and I decided uh, that we were going to, you know, renovate the lower level of our house. And so we took out the floors and the backsplash, and we did paint and floors all through this. And trust me, there was no complaining going on when we didn't have a kitchen. I mean, complaining just absorbs my life, and I had no idea how much I actually complained. And, and you see, in its essence, the idea of over it 
is a complaint. I know that many of you are like me, and during the series, you began to realize how many times you say, I'm over it, or I'm so over it. I mean, I'm over pumpkin spice. When they start in August, I'm, I'm over it. I'm, I'm over them getting my name wrong at Starbucks. And I'll tell you about an app. The Starbucks app is great because you can order with the app and you can pay with the app and they get your name right every time with the app. No Greg's for me anymore. And can I just tell you this? I am so over people misusing me, myself, and I. If I hear one more pro athlete misuse myself, well, I would pull my hair out if I had any. Myself is a reflexive pronoun, not a, no, not a simple pronoun. It works with I and me. It's not a substitute for I and me. And I know now you're over my cynicism. You're over my grammar lesson. And do you see how easy it is for a complaint to turn into a rant? Check this out. 70% of all people say that they work with a complainer. Now, I work on staff here at the church, so I would definitely be in the 30%. No complainers here. You know, no, no complainers on staff here. Seven out of 10 say that we work with complainer. When you go to work tomorrow and you can't identify the complainer, guess what? You're the complainer. 66% of us say that the complainer decreases our productivity. So if you're the complainer, you're affecting the work of your coworkers. And listen, no workplace is immune and no galaxy too far away. We seem to be made to suffer. It's our lot in life. I've got to rest before I fall apart. My joints are almost frozen. What a desolate place this is. Where do you think you're going? Well, I'm not going that way. It's much too rocky. This way is much easier. What makes you think there are settlements over there? Don't get technical with me. What mission? What are you talking about? I've just about had enough of you. Go that way. You'll be malfunctioning within a day, you near-sighted scrap pile. And don't let me catch you following me, begging for help, because you won't get it. I'm not going that way. See, complainers are literally everywhere. You know, Twitter and Facebook are complaint factories. Uh, you put a complaint on Facebook, and it multiplies like the bunnies that have been wrecking my yard. That was a complaint. Complaining causes stress. 
It will wear you down physically. It can raise your heart rate, cause high blood pressure, lead to to weight gain, and actually lower your immune system. And none of us can afford that right now. But here's the most important thing. Complaining impacts how people see us as Christ followers. I mentioned that the series has its foundation in the book of Philippians, and Paul is writing this letter to the church at Philippi. And check this out. It's the first and only church in Europe at that time. There's not a church on every corner, not a church every two miles like around here. They're it. They're the only church in Europe. And this is what Paul writes to them. He says, do everything without complaining and arguing. Just for you guys, I did a deep dive into the Greek word for everything, and it means everything. Just throw that out there for you. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. We open ourselves up to to criticism when we complain. We, We forfeit our opportunity to be a shining light when we complain. Now, this is where some of us may opt out of the discussion. Some of us would say, well, I'm not really complaining. I'm I'm just the voice of reason. Uh, You know what? I'm just there to bring the reality checks. Is it really complaining if it's true? Some of us may be a little bit in denial. Some of us may not really be able to identify ourselves here. So let me see if I can help us. There's four types of complainers, and the first is the whiner. Whiners wake up negative. Their motto in life is rise and whine. Some of you are morning people. You rise and shine, but some of us rise and whine. That's just what we do. David, the great shepherd, warrior, king, He whines all the way through the Psalms. Check this out. He says to God, did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. It's not fair. I don't deserve it. Everybody else gets all the breaks. Life's just not fair. Listen, it'll be fair in heaven. Some of us are whiners and some of us are martyrs. Martyrs feel unappreciated. They love pity parties. They think they do everything and nobody else does anything. Moses played the martyr. Check this out. And Moses said to the Lord, and we'll talk about this later, but he's talking to the right person here. God, why are you treating me, your servant, so harshly? Have mercy on me. What did I do to deserve the burden of all these people? Did I give birth to them? Did I bring them into the world? Why did you tell me to carry them in my arms like a mother carries a nursing baby? How can I carry them to the land you swore to give their ancestors? Where am I supposed to get meat for all these people? And they keep whining to me. A complainer can always identify another complainer. (laughs) They keep whining to me saying, give us meat to eat. I can't carry all these people by myself. The load is far too heavy. 
And if this is how you intend to treat me, just go ahead and kill me. Do me a favor and spare me this misery. That's Moses, y'all. And listen, it's rough, I know. So it's my turn. The cynic. Cynics are contemptuous. They're irritating. They think they know it all. They have to be right. King Solomon was a cynic. He said everything is meaningless, completely meaningless. What do people get for all their hard work under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth never changes. History merely repeats itself. It's all been done before. Nothing under the sun is truly new. The world's never going to change. People are never going to change. Nothing's ever going to change. And then there's one more, and this one may resonate with some of you. That's the perfectionist. Nothing's ever right. Nothing's ever good enough. And perfectionism leads to arguing and nagging and complaining. And listen, nothing will destroy a relationship, a marriage, a home faster than complaining and nagging. And I could have put a bunch of Proverbs up here for you with, you know, nagging in them, but I've said, eh, let's not rub it in on the perfectionists because they'll just want to tell me what I did wrong today. <laughs> so the question is, how do you conquer complaining? Because it just doesn't work. Complaining just does not work. So how do you conquer complaining? Paul said to do everything without complaining and arguing. So how do you get over it? How do you do it? Well, first of all, you have to admit that you have a problem. Admit that it's a problem for you. Proverbs 28, 13 says, people who conceal their sins will not prosper, but if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. We have to recognize. Can you imagine what it would be like if somebody recorded you all week? I mean, I would hate to think how much I actually gripe and grumble and complain and argue. I have to admit that it's a problem for me. Maybe just count for one week how many times you say I'm over it. Just recognize. See, and complaining can keep us from things. Complaining kept the children of Israel out of the promised land. What's it keeping us from? You have to admit you have a problem, and then you have to accept responsibility. So many times, I know this is true in my life, so many times, Complaining is just a deflection of blame. We, we want to play, blame others for a problem that we've created. And I shift the blame to somebody else so that I can feel better about me. Check this out, Proverbs 19.3. People ruin their lives by their own foolishness and then are angry at the Lord. Have you ever known anybody like that? Have you ever known anybody that just absolutely wrecked their life and then blamed God? I've been in ministry over 25 years. I've, I've seen it my whole life. People wreck their lives and then they get mad at God. Other people, they blame the devil for everything. Now let me say this unequivocally because I know that the devil and his cohorts are absolutely 100% real. And we are in a spiritual warfare, without question. But Jesus said we don't even need his help. Jesus said, for from within, out of a person's heart, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, 
murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these vile things come from within, and they are what defile you. I don't know if Jesus left anything off the list. It seems like he got everything. He said it it comes from within. You don't even need the devil's help. It's all in there because we're sinners by nature. This is what we do by nature apart from Jesus Christ. We have to own it. We must take responsibility for our complaining. And then number three, you've got to adopt an attitude of gratitude. In another letter that he wrote, Paul said, be thankful, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Now, God through Paul doesn't say to be thankful for all circumstances. He says we can be thankful in all circumstances. And we know this is true. When Paul was writing this letter to the church in Philippi, he was in jail. When he was writing this letter to this first and only church in Europe, he was in jail. And more than likely, he was under house arrest. And house arrest for them was not an ankle bracelet. It was literally chained to a Roman guard. He was literally chained to a Roman soldier. And more than likely, these guys probably did eight to 10 hour shifts and then somebody else would come along. And and so let me tell you about complaining. Can you imagine being chained to another person, specifically a Roman soldier during the first century? They didn't have any running water, y'all. They did not have any showers, y'all. They did not have washing machines, y'all. There is very, very little chance these guys didn't stink. I'm out. I would have been complaining all day long. Dude, there, listen, there's no body wash. There's no loofah. There, there's no deodorant. There's no antiperspirant. And every shift he would get another sh- soldier. But think about this. Who had it worse? Paul or the guard who had to sit next to him for eight hours and hear about Jesus? This is what Paul wrote to that first church in Europe. He said, not that I was ever in need, for I've learned to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Folks, gratitude is tied directly to contentment. Complaining is the result of discontent. Now, don't take this the wrong way because I I love the word of God. I believe that, that God literally breathed out every word in the scripture and that he's preserved it for us. And I love Philippians 4.13 as much as you do. But when Paul wrote, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, he was talking about contentment. And he's literally saying the only way that you can find contentment is through the power of Christ. And he didn't mean that I can do everything through Christ. 
He didn't mean that I could run a 40-yard dash in 4.4 seconds. 40 years ago, 40 years ago, when I was in the best shape of my life, the best I could ever run was a 40-yard dash in 4.9 seconds. You're like, dude, was slow. You're, I was. I was nasty, though. I was slow, but I was nasty. So it worked for me in the football field. No matter how hard I try, no matter how hard I pray, if I trained 8 to 10 hours a day, I can never run a 4.440. But with the power of Christ in my life, I can learn to be content. I can't do everything, but I can learn to be content. With the power of Christ, I can be content and I can overcome complaining. And listen, contentment and gratitude always go together. And look, we have it pretty good. We have electricity and air conditioning and running water. And when we learn to be grateful and content, we can stop complaining. And when we stop complaining, we can shine like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. We stand out in the crowd. Now, here's the deal, and, and, and this is really where the rubber meets the road today. Many of our complaints don't have anything to do with our circumstance. Many of our complaints don't have anything to do with our circumstances. Many of our complaints don't have anything to do with other people. Our complaint is really against God. Some of our biggest complaints are about God. It's all about the hand that we believe we've been dealt. God, that is so jacked up. God, you, you did me wrong. God, God, I don't really have what I want or what I need in life. L listen, God's hands are in every circumstance. And we are going to have challenges and we are going to have problems. Jesus stated it as a fact. In this world, you will have trouble. And so it's all about perspective and contentment. And I'm not saying that's easy. But we have to look for God's hand in the circumstance. If we're ever going to overcome complaining, if we're ever going to get over grumbling, we have to look for God's hand in the circumstance. When something happens that we don't understand and that we don't like, we have to ask three questions. And the first one is this. Is this complaint, is this thing really the problem? Is this really the problem? Is your complaint really the problem? I mean, sometimes... When I, when I whine or complain, the problem is really not the issue that I'm complaining about. Sometimes I just want to be recognized. Sometimes I just want some props. Sometimes I want somebody to tell me I'm great. Sometimes I just want somebody to pat me on the back so I complain to try to get their attention. Most complaints are all about me. And listen, if it's all about me, I will complain. And let me just say this. If I can change my circumstance, if, if I identify the complaint and it's a circumstance I don't like, if I can change my circumstance, I have to do something to change it. If I can do something to change it, I have to do that. But if I can't change my circumstance, then I have to change my perspective.
I have to identify the real problem, and then I have to ask, is this the solution to the problem? Is this complaint, is this thing that I'm about to say a solution to the problem? And, and listen, I'm not saying that, that Christ followers, that, that people of faith can't have opinions. And in fact, I'm not saying that we shouldn't say something when we see injustice. We should. When injustice is present, we should be the first ones to say something because Jesus is just. But we must learn to have conversations that are built on love and not complaints. And, and here's the truth. When it comes to complaining, it's more than just the weather, the humidity, politics. It's more than just the barbecue joint ran out of ribs. We do. We have some real complaints. And we have complaints with God. But listen, we have the spirit of God. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection for your salvation from sin, you have the Holy Spirit living in you. We have the spirit of God. And one of the fruits of the spirit is self-control. If you have the spirit of God, then you can live with self-control. And so that means that we can have self-control when it comes to complaining. We, we could raise our self-control game. I know that I could raise my self-control game when it comes to complaining. Could you maybe raise your self-control game when it comes to complaining? But there's one more question to ask when you have a complaint. Is this the end of the story? This, this thing, this circumstance, this thing that you're about to complain about, is this the end of the story? Because uh, we may not like our circumstance. We may complain about our circumstance. But what if God has something else that he wants to show us in that situation? What if God has a plan, but we haven't invited him into our story? What, what if God wants to redeem our complaint, but we haven't invited him into it? In the Gospel of John, chapter 11, we see one of the great complaints of all time. Jesus had some friends that were siblings uh, named Lazarus, Mary, and Martha, and they lived in Bethany, which was about two miles uh, away from Jerusalem. And Jesus was hanging out in Jerusalem, and Lazarus, his dear friend, gets very ill. And they send word to Jesus and tell him that his friend Lazarus is sick and he's about to die. And Jesus says, it'll be all right. God has something in mind. And Lazarus dies. And Jesus says, it'll be all right. God has something in mind. And then after four days, after Lazarus has been dead for four days, Jesus goes to Bethany because God has something in mind. His friend Lazarus is dead, but God has something in mind. And his friends Mary and Martha are in deep grief over the loss of their brother. And Martha has some complaining to do, and Jesus has some explaining to do. And this is what we see in chapter 11. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. She didn't even let him get into town. She didn't let him get to the house. She went to meet him. Mary stayed in the house, and Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you'd been here, my brother would not have died. 
If only you had been here. And you know what she's saying? She's saying, what kind of savior are you? What kind of Lord are you? What kind of shepherd are you? What kind of rabbi are you? What kind of healer are you? If you had been here, he would not have died. Martha looks right at Jesus and said, if you would have been here, he would not have died. And again, they they stay right outside the village and they have this amazing conversation about the resurrection. And then Mary went running out there to meet Jesus and she complains, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. And listen, I wonder sometimes, I wonder sometimes if it wouldn't be easier for us if God was limited. I wonder if it wouldn't be easier for us if God were limited. You know, you know I know, God, you would if you could. I, I know God would, would change things if he could. I know God would hear me and change things if he could. But here's the deal. The God of the Bible And the God that we serve is unlimited in his power and in his ability and in his love. We know that he can do everything. And that can make things confusing. I know that God can change this if he wanted to. If if he would have been here, that wouldn't have happened. God, you could change this. God, you could change them. And listen, as far as Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, for that matter, know, the story is over. And Jesus weeps with them. But that is not the end of the story. Jesus hears the complaints, and he mourns with them, and he weeps with them. But he knows, he knows that he's going to walk right to the tomb and raise Lazarus from the dead. The story's not over. But Jesus weeps with them and mourns with them. He feels everything that they feel. And and I can't really comprehend all of that, but I like it. He feels everything we feel. And this is what I know. When you have a complaint with God, complain to God. When you have a complaint with, with him about what has happened or how things are going or how things would have been different if he had been here, Say it to him. Mary and Martha go straight to Jesus. We've got to go straight to Jesus. Listen, there's things we don't know. But God has something in mind. So listen, could this be a day? Could this be a day where we raise our self-control about complaining outwardly And we open our heart about saying the truth inwardly. Can we raise our self-control game about complaining outwardly? We have the spirit of God. We have the ability to live with self-control. Could we raise our game? And then could we open our heart to God and let him into our complaint? Because that's how we look different. That's how we stand out. That's how we stand out like bright lights in this crooked and perverse world. 
And listen, in this series, we've talked about worry and anxiety and comparison and forgiveness. We've talked about our past. We've talked about how to overcome our past. We've talked about today grumbling and complaining. Would you, whatever you're over, would you invite God into it? Whatever you are over, would you invite God into it? Can you invite God into these complaints and these problems? You know, there's some other things that we haven't talked about in this series, like fear and anger and bitterness. Invite him in. Take your complaint to him. Meet Jesus out at the road like Martha and invite him into your complaint. In fact, better yet, meet Jesus right here, right now, and invite him into your complaint. Tell him what is true. Because listen, God is working. Even when we don't see it, even when we don't feel it, God is working. And he began a good work in you, and he will complete it. And you can shine like a bright light in this world. If you invite him in, would you pray with me? If you would just bow your head and close your eyes right where you are. Listen, I don't love it that we're socially distanced in here. I wish we were packing all of our marathon friends in here. But one of the things that I do like about us having some space this morning is I believe you've got some space to talk to God, to invite Jesus in. And after we pray in a minute and the, the band starts singing, I, I would just invite you maybe to come to this altar. You can spread out. You can, you can make some room. Maybe you need to come to this altar and lay something down. Invite Jesus in. Maybe you want to stay right where you are. Maybe you want to turn around and, and kneel at your seat. You've got plenty of room. Maybe you want to stand and raise your hands to God and just say, Lord, help me. Just reach out to him like a child reaches for his father. Invite him in today. Heavenly Father, we know that you're a good, good father. And we know that you're working in us. And I ask, Father, that as your spirit moves today, that people would invite Jesus into their complaint, into their fear, into their anger, into their unforgiveness, into their past. God, we trust with all of our heart that you're doing a good work in each one of us. And we ask that you do something great because you have something in mind as we open our hearts to you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's message and made a decision to follow Jesus, be sure to let us know by connecting with us online at marathonchurch.org. If you haven't already, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcasts. 
To experience some more messages, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at marathonchurch.org or download the Marathon Church app. Thanks for listening to the Marathon Church Podcast.